It's time for Rush Hour with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome into the program. It is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers right here on VCN Sports Betting Network. I'm Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook, just outside of the Windy City in Des Plaines, Illinois. And tonight we're going to be talking some baseball. We're going to be talking some basketball. And actually, we'll throw a little bit of football in there. But our first guest on the show will be Aaron Bruski, GM over at Hoopball. We'll get his thoughts, some of his plays, and more throughout the NBA slate tonight. And after that, we'll take a look some of the plays in the NBA for props that could be fortuitous for your bank account and some of really just your betting accounts. So we did have one that scratched, unfortunately, that we did have it as official play, but we still have some strong leans, some other spots that could be advantageous. Also, we'll look at a certain team being the Chargers. Now, I was talking to a buddy about it that kind of sparked my interest in wanting to get more into their betting profile with the odds that are offered, and I think that's another good spot. I know I've been saying kind of you don't want to get into it too early with some of these teams, but... Chargers made some good moves in this offseason. Then we'll talk some baseball to round things up with Jeff Erickson, senior editor over at Rotowire, frequent flyer here on the show. So plenty to get to tonight on Rush Hour. But look, you know, we're located in the Chicagoland area. I'm personally a Bears fan, so it'd be remiss if we couldn't mention the news about Aaron Rodgers that made the headways throughout the Twitter sphere and really every sports network today. So it was reported that Aaron Rodgers was mocking Packers GM Brian Gutenkunst in team group chats by calling him Jerry Krause. Now, we know, especially after watching The Last Dance, and even just, I mean, me personally, a little bit too young to be living during it, but just by watching it, the whole ordeal and the debacle between Jerry Krause, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, etc. When you get your quarterback saying that, it seems like it's pretty much game over to me. Now, I know that the Packers keep saying it, keep saying that they are not going to trade Aaron Rodgers because that's what they have to say. That's what they want to say and want to happen. How could you trade one of the best players of all time in that position? Well, let's kind of just take a look and see where some of these odds have shifted as at this point because when we last talked about it, I believe on Monday, I think the Packers got up to about maybe minus 150, minus 170 range. They slowly trickled back down once again. They're still the short shot here. Uh, minus 134 is the odds on favorite. But Denver still remains at about plus 150. The Broncos have been the most popular team that Aaron Rodgers could be going for his next landing spot. The 49ers, who would have made a little bit more sense before the draft, but you get Trey Lance. I mean, it still could make sense, but also we heard that the 49ers already reached out. Nothing came to fruition. Uh, look, things could change, though, now especially more with these reports, and if Aaron Rodgers is even more persistent that he doesn't want to remain a Packer, the Raiders still up at the top two at 9-1. to one. The Saints at 12-1. to one. Browns 14-1. to one. Washington football team, who's still a squad that needs a quarterback, 16-1. to one. Miami Dolphins, then at 18-1. to one. Those odds via Bet Rivers. So what would be the best fit for Rodgers? I mean, the more we're going to wait and the more reports come out, it just seems like this relationship is completely torn. And even if he is going to stay, what kind of attitude, what kind of performance are you going to get out of Aaron Rodgers? going to be one of those things where I'm not saying it's going to happen, but maybe he refuses to play until he gets traded. You don't know what's going to happen in this situation. It just seems like the relationship is absolutely screwed at this point for the Packers franchise and their star quarterback, future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. So where does he end up at this point? Again, the strong thought process has been that he's going to go to Denver. You know, you get Teddy Bridgewater, you get Drew Locke in there still. 
a team that didn't go with a quarterback in the draft. So who knows if they're going to make a big offer to get Aaron Rodgers. I mean, why wouldn't you? And especially if you're the Packers, if you want to get rid of him, put him in a different conference. The 49ers, that originally was the team that seemed to make the most sense to a lot of people, myself included. I thought that was the one that, if it was going to happen, would be the squad going back to his home state in California, a team that's already prepped and ready to make a Super Bowl run. And even though they still have Jimmy G, even though they still have Trey Lance, maybe now that could help them put together a little bit better package and help the Packers kind of start within their quarterback room. Yes, they have Jordan Love, but who knows? Maybe get a little bit more of a veteran guy there in Jimmy G. Uh, nevertheless, the Raiders I don't think is really a viable option. The Saints, yes, of course it would be. If he goes to the Saints, how great would that make New Orleans? Would they be the top team in the NFC? Because we see the odds as the Buccaneers as a short shot at 3-1. to one. Then come the Rams at 6-1. to one. I don't know if that would put them over the top because the Buccaneers are still the most deep team, the most complete team that brought back all of their starters from the Super Bowl. But we like to do, we like to ponder it. It's the most interesting topic right now in the NFL, and hopefully we get some news on it soon so we can speculate a little bit further heading into the upcoming NFL season. Once again, the show is Rush Hour presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook in Des Plaines, Illinois, right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. We are kind of just recapping the comments made by Aaron Rodgers today, calling his GM Jerry Krause, which is something you definitely don't want to hear, knowing how that whole relationship with Krause and the Bulls ended. Uh, tonight on the show, though, we'll get a little bit away from football, but we'll return to it and look at the Chargers and their betting profile. We'll talk some baseball with Jeff Erickson. Don't worry, we'll get some hoops, too, with Aaron Bruski over at Hoopball in just a few moments. But speaking of baseball, I did have a play that I wanted to dish out there. Uh, this one's going to be having the first pitch at about 6.30 p.m. Central Time, so we won't get into it with our baseball segment beforehand. So I just wanted to get into that really briefly. I'm looking at the Dodgers here. And look, we faded the Cubs before when it was Hendricks against the Braves, and I think the Braves won that game 10-0. This just feels like one of those spots, not that it's going to be 10-0 on the Dodgers' side, but look, the Cubs beat them twice in a two-game set of the doubleheader yesterday. Now, Kershaw had his shortest start in his career, so that was an anomaly, of course, especially for the fact that right now the Cubs were the ones to cause it. And then they had the 4-3 to walk-off win in the bottom of the ninth, David Bodie getting the game-winning RBI. So now you're getting Walker Bueller on the bump for the Dodgers going against Adbert Alzale. Look, it's tough to say promising young guy. Yes, he potentially still has the stuff. I don't know if it's, I know it's not there yet, but especially I don't think it's going to be there on a consistent basis. Now, Elzele is 1-2 with a 4.71 ERA, a .90 whip, so not too shabby to start, and a solid XFIP with 3.53. Now, Bueller's coming off a rough start, but he is 1-0 this season, 3.16 ERA with a better XFIP of 3.35 and a solid whip as well at .96. But point blank, I mean, the Dodgers for me is the play here. It's so tough to think of a team getting swept in baseball in general, especially when it's arguably the best team in baseball, even though they've really had a tumultuous stretch this past week or two. But even more so against this Cubs team that, look, against righties, they got a 695 OPS, which is 14th in the big leagues. The Dodgers, second best against righties, 794 OPS. And I think Bueller will have his stuff today. It's just hard for me to envision seeing the Cubs sweeping the Dodgers right now. I got the Dodgers money line at about minus 156. I know there's still some shorter prices out there if you look around. Currently at Bet Rivers are about minus 175. The Cubs on the buyback plus 145. You want to lay the run line with Los Angeles plus 105 for some slight value. Taking the run and a half with Chicago, you're laying minus one and a quarter. 
Total we're seeing at about seven and a half. It is shaded to the under, minus 122. The overs plus 102. But again, look, I, I, the Cubs had some fun games yesterday. A little bit shocking, especially considering it was going up against the Dodgers. The Dodgers arguably had that uh, game two wrapped up. But look, the Cubs just came through in the end. I don't think the same happens tonight. And look, and if you are going to want to play this game instead of the minus 175, let's go with the run line here at about plus 105, get a little bit of plus value. But I do think it's a good opportunity to bet the Dodgers here to avoid the sweep and overcome the Cubs tonight in Wrigley Field. But all right, let's switch it up, folks. Let's talk a little bit of hoops action tonight. Good group of games to look forward to. We're bringing on Aaron Bruski at Aaron Bruski's, where you can follow him on Twitter, GM over at Hoopball. And Aaron, uh, let's get right into it because we have a deep slate to dive into. Let's start with the Suns and Hawks game. This one is really tricky in the sense that if you're just looking at it kind of as an average Joe, you're looking, you're going, wow, Phoenix is only a one-point favorite. But look, the Hawks, despite their injuries that they've dealt with, they've really been overcoming all this adversity. Total here at about 228.5. What's your feeling with this matchup down in Atlanta? I saw this one and I just said, run away. I, I don't want anything to do with it. Um, you're right. The the back-to-back -back with the, the Suns created the short line. Their third game on the road of three. They just got done with a huge roadie. Um, they played all the toughest teams in the NBA. So it's, it's sort of let down city for those guys. And on the other hand, you got the Hawks and they're all beat up with all of their recent uh, dings and nicks. And, and you, they've been good because they have been injured. The, the, the classic addition by subtraction. So um, that the line is, is a really good one there. I'm not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think if anything, if I want to play it, it's going to be an in-game type of bet. But it, it just seems because you can make so many cases for one side or the other. And the big part for not backing the Suns is having the back-to-back -back in the game last night in overtime. And really just over the course of the season, especially because of how unique it's been, how much have you taken into account the second half of a back-to-back -back when it comes to your handicapping? Uh, quite a bit. <clears throat> I think that we've seen teams reactive to that, especially in this second half. In the first half, we had so many weird COVID-related things that teams would get extra rest and teams would get some postponements, and then there weren't quite as many back-to-backs. I think almost or, or every other day games, I should say, everything in the second half of this season has been on such a strict every other day schedule except with the back-to-back. So I think teams are extremely tired right now. That second half of the back-to-backs has definitely been a factor. And another team on the second half of the back-to-back -back is the Milwaukee Bucks at home tonight. They're taking on the Wizards. Looks like Chris Middleton is doubtful. Hachimura is going to be out for the Wizards. This line opened up at about six and a half. Washington getting all the love. Now it's down to three in the hook. Uh, the Wizards plus 130 on the money line. Bucks minus 155. Huge total here at 243. I probably would have looked to get involved with the Wizards, but for the fact that you could have got such a better number early on, it made me stay away. Would you maybe still look to attack the Wizards here? Or do you take advantage of the shorter spread with, uh, with Milwaukee? You know, um, that looked like a trap line. So it, it was another game that I stayed away from. Um, then the news came out about Middleton, so Vegas knew. And uh, that, that minus four is actually a pretty good number for this game. I think with the back-to-back, -back, I, I think if I'm leaning, I'm leaning Wizards just because they're the ones that they need to win this more than, than uh, Milwaukee does. And Milwaukee banged up. Uh, I'm a little surprised Giannis is, and, and uh, Dante DiVincenzo are actually going in this one. This would be the one that they could sneak those guys out on. But but it, it looks like they're committed to trying to make a run at the number two spot. 
if they don't go, if they lose this game tonight and they get a little bit of distance there, look for them to be a team to fade down the stretch. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out. I mean, now that you're getting so late into the season, you know you have the teams that are quote-unquote tanking. You have the teams that are fine with their seed. And then you have a squad like the Wizards who are still fighting for their playoff lives and have been doing very well as of late. When you look at a team like Washington, not only just really for the last stretch of the season, but looking forward to the playing game, do you think this is a team that can make some noise considering we know the offensive talent they have in the single elimination kind of factor of it? I feel like it benefits Washington. You know, I, I probably would have gone with Washington in this game if I had known that Rui Hachimura was going to play because he gives them a good solid 30 minutes per game and he fills a hole in that 3-4 slot that's really thin for them. He's a pretty good player. He, he doesn't stand out with the other guys around, but, uh, you know, he and Daniel Gafford, especially Daniel Gafford, Gafford's been sitting in Chicago and we've just sort of been salivating at what could he be with 20 minutes per game or more. And then he gets it in Washington, and it corresponds with this big winning streak and push. When you put Westbrook, Beal, Hachimura, you know, a couple of their other veteran guys uh, behind them in the backcourt, and then you also add Gafford. And Alex Len just fits in there for 10 minutes a game and, and, and doesn't screw up too bad. They might surprise some people. I'm not going to say they'll win a playoff series, but if they happen to accidentally make it out of the play-in and then make some noise in the first round of the playoffs, it would not be shocking because Bradley Beal is really, really really good yeah and when they're all clicking him and Westbrook and like you mentioned Hachimura this team can be dangerous especially in that type of atmosphere with the playing game so look out for these Wizards as a team to bet later on through the season and potentially with the playing game uh, let's go ahead and move on to another team that's going to be facing the same kind of outlook in the postseason or looking forward to get into it rather the Memphis Grizzlies on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves the Timberwolves are on a nice little streak as of late they're coming off a loss recently but before that they won four in the row and look Memphis is only laying three and a hook tonight Jaron Jackson Jr. last I checked is going to be out total we see at 238 and a half here this is another one where your average Joe is probably going to be looking and perplexed that the Grizzlies are only laying three and a half or about minus 160 on the money line but Minnesota's been a tough out as of late. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I, I looked at this game, and I wanted to bet it, and I wanted to bet it on both sides. And so I, I basically said, okay, if you want to bet it on both sides, you got to stay away from this game. So there's so many angles that work really well for both teams. Um, Minnesota has let down betters all year long um, until recently when, when they started their winning streak. Now they have three days off. Is that good for them? Is that bad for them? Is there a little bit of rust? Do they start to let the offseason kind of get to their mind? There's only a couple weeks left to go, and they start, you know, schools out a little bit early. But they've got double revenge in this in this game. So they will probably come out motivated while Memphis needs to keep winning games and is, you know, like three and six over their last ten games. So they're actually um, in a little bit of a funk, which typically means they're ready to bounce back and get out of it. So there was too many competing angles here. If I had to throw a dart at this game, I would probably take Memphis because the game matters more to them. General Manager over at HoopBall.com, Aaron Bruski joining us here on Rush Hour, previewing tonight's NBA slate, and we continue on in the Mile High City. The Nuggets taking on the New York Knicks, and Aaron, look, the Knicks, it seemed like a lot of people liked originally, but the market seems to be moving as of late in favor of Denver, went from a three-point favorite, now laying four, Total at 215, and the Nuggets are still banged up. Dozier is going to be out along with Morris Barton, and we know that Murray is still out. And the Knicks come in hot on a three-game winning streak, but tough matchup on the road here. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're talking Denver on the road, third game of a six-game roadie. Um, these guys have been doing a ton of winning. I think they're 12-1 and one in their last 13 games. So um, you always wonder when's the party going to end. Uh, the good news is if you're a Knicks backer, and I am, I actually put the Knicks in as a premium play over at Hoopball tonight. Um, they are a hungry team coached by a maniacal coach. They want respect. They also want to protect their seating a little bit. Uh, I don't think they want this party to end. Uh, on the Denver side, the loss of Dozier is the the um, the straw that broke the camel's back here. He is one of their few perimeter threats um, in their backcourt and really even in their front court. if you want to get technical about it. Um, the best case scenario for, for the, the Nuggets to win this game is that Jokic backs down Taj Gibson in the post successfully and all of that top NBA defense help that, that, the, that the Knicks have doesn't get there in time and he can throw darts out to guys like Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap and Aaron Gordon and they just drill threes. They get red hot. But the problem with that theory is it's, it's not very likely to happen and the Knicks uh, front or probably backcourt is just going to have an absolute field day. With, with what Denver is putting out there. They're just completely overmatched. So they can win this game, the Knicks is, they can win this game with defense. They can actually win it with offense. And I think the Nuggets are about ready to peter out. They've been going so hard for so long, and they've gone through a lot. They probably need a little bit of a lull here before the playoffs to get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I actually completely agree with you. If there's a game I was going to be playing on the slate tonight, I think it would have been the Knicks. And now you're getting an even better number, like I alluded to, with the Knicks catching four. And you're right. I mean, I think Dozier being out is a lot bigger than people are leading it to seem like it is. And the Knicks 11-1 and ATS, their last 12 road games. So a good spot here for New York with that dominating defense that we're so accustomed to seeing at this point. And the guy who's got that going that way, Tom Thibodeau, their coach, Look, Aaron, we talk about it all the time because we're sweating out some good tickets on him to win coach of the year on the show. Do you think that that could actually come to fruition, or do you think it's going to be Monty Williams or Snyder? Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, you would think about two months ago it would have been Snyder. Um, everybody's going to want to give it to Monty Williams. I mean, that, that, that's your feel-good story right there. But it's hard to deny these Knicks, man. I mean, you're taking a, a franchise out of purgatory, and it's not with Chris Paul. You know, you did it with Julius Randle and all of the assorted pieces, and you sort of did it your way as well. You brought in Derrick Rose. So, I mean, he put his stamp on that franchise in, in, in a franchise in a high-profile market, and they just keep climbing. I don't know what your odds were when you got that, but it's a good bet. It's a good bet. Monty, though, man, these voters, they vote with their heartstrings, and they don't vote necessarily with uh, the basketball sense. I would have. Thibodeau, actually, as coach of the year over Monty Williams. Hey, that's what we love to hear. And I'm with you, not only because we had the bet, but I actually got him at 16 to 1, and now he's 2 to 1. Williams is the minus 305 favorite. So, and, and, and I think that's a lot reflected on the fact that the Suns, if they can be the one seed, it's kind of hard to deny, uh, to deny Williams. But you're right. I mean, Thibodeau literally took this team from the same squad that it was last year and turned it into one of the top teams in the East. It's hard to, de uh, to deny that and what he's made this team in the mecca of basketball. Well, and, and on top of that, if, you know, when you bet every day and you're in the grind, you know when a team shows up every night or if they show up a large percentage of the time. They've been showing up pretty much all year. You know, there's been some times where they've had a couple funky games, but way less than almost any other team that's out there. So. It's, it's been good to watch because New York needed a good basketball team for, I don't know, 25 years.
<laughs> yeah, just a little bit of time. But Aaron, <laughs> hey, look, we appreciate you taking some of that time tonight. Hey, best of luck with your wagers, and we'll look to catch up again soon. All right, anytime, guys. Have a good one. At Aaron Bruski is where you can catch him on Twitter. Also, take a look at his great content, hoopball.com, where he is the general manager. Good conversation surrounding the NBA. And like we said, we're still sweating out that Tom Thibodeau coach of the year at 16 to 1, baby. Ooh, it's going to be a close one coming down to the wire. But a guy who could be standing in his way, Quinn Snyder, his jazz are taking on the Spurs tonight. We didn't get a chance to get to this game. Just to tee it up really briefly, though, tip offs at about 8 p.m. Central Time. And the Jazz are laying six and a half against the Spurs. Now, they just played on Monday. The Spurs, or excuse me, the uh, Jazz got the dub in that one, 110 to 99. I think the spread closed at about seven and a half in that game. So Utah covered. But now they come back as a six and a half point favorite, minus 250 on the money line for Utah. Spurs plus 205. Total at 218 and a half. The Spurs are 5 1 1 ATS, their last seven games overall. The Jazz 1 5 ATS, their last six home games. Spurs on a four-game losing streak, a team that's been banged up. Tough stretch to their schedule to end things. I was a little bit banged up, too. No Mitchell and no Conley. So uh, we'll continue a little bit of basketball later on in the show. We got some plays potentially with some props throughout the association. But let's talk a little bit of football. Let's look at the Los Angeles Chargers. What can their season come to this year? Justin Herbert, impressive in his rookie campaign. Can he parlay that and keep it going? We'll discuss next here on Rush Hour. out of all odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook. Plus, to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams of major sports along with instant payouts and only one-time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. If that hometown discount, check it out. BetRivers.com. Back at it here on Rush Hour. Danny Burke, your host, live on the Cindy Sports Betting Network. And we're also doing it live out of the Bet River Sportsbook just outside of Chicago in Des Plaines, Illinois, at the Rivers Casino. If you're ever stopping by, feel free to say what's up. We got all the action going on the big screens to my right. Plenty of baseball and early NBA. We're looking at the later NBA slate with our man Aaron Bruski. Shout out to him for hopping on. Well, let's switch it up, go to the gridiron and talk some NFL. Was talking with a buddy who is a pretty big Chargers fan, and he was just kind of throwing all these numbers at me and these players and saying, hey, look out for the Chargers. I think they're going to take a sizable step this next season. And so got me thinking, and, and I agree. Look, I was a big Herbert guy this past season. He played very well, probably surprised most people. So I was just more curious what the actual numbers that were posted for the Chargers are at Bet Rivers. So uh, the odds to make the playoffs for the Chargers, the yes, plus 149, the no is minus 182 as the favorite. So, yeah, some pretty good value on the yes. But what interested me a little bit even more so is their season win total at 9, minus 110 each way. 
Well, before we get into I mean, just kind of looking at the draft they had, in my opinion, they were a team that certainly addressed their necessities. Getting Slater that far down, I mean, it was not that far down, but there was still a possibility. I think his draft position was at nine and a half that he was going to go prior. So Slater's a good need to protect Herbert. Sante Samuel Jr. with their next pick is always solid. Uh, they got Hymas, a Nebraska offensive tackle, Mark Webb, a safety, Chris Rumpf, linebacker. So also got Josh Palmer, wide receiver as well. So look, they addressed a lot of the needs they had. The defense has been unfortunate with the injuries that they've suffered with James, but the offensive line was kind of the big thing. They have enough surrounding offensive pieces. Otherwise, I think to be a solid offensive team, which we saw that they were this past year. So let's look at their schedule, though. I kind of broke it up a little bit more so into winnable games and tougher games. So starting with the winnable games, they're going to be on the road against Cincinnati. I'm not too high on Cincinnati or so that I was this past year. Again, we've talked about them. Nothing too impressive with the draft that they've done that gives me any confidence really in any game, I guess, at this point. I mean, we'll see who they're playing if we look at their schedule ever. But against the Chargers, I like the Chargers in that spot. Texans are probably going to be an absolute crap show so uh i like the chargers against the texans you get the broncos at home now we'll see what happens with aaron Rodgers. but if the broncos roster stays as it is right now the broncos at home is favorable in, in favor of the chargers are the raiders at home giving it to the chargers easier steelers i think are going to have a down year cowboys that's a little bit trickier how is Dak going to bounce back but again having it at home this cowboys defense are they going to take the leaps they need to be a better team the Giants, that's a winnable game for sure. The Patriots, Cam Newton in the mix. We'll see if he can actually be good offensively in that team entirely, getting some of their players back. Uh, on the road against Philly, don't think the Phillies are going to be, or uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be too great. Same with the Washington football team. However, that defense is tough. The Vikings, that one, look, I, I actually do, again, think the Vikings could present some value, but if this is going to be the classic Kirk Cousins Vikings team, then at home, yes, the Chargers could compete and win that game tougher games you're on the road against baltimore on the road against kansas city at home against kansas city that's going to be tough regardless uh, then on the road in the mile high city against the broncos versus the browns a team we just talked about they should have a pretty solid year had a great draft still have a lot of solid players all around and then on the road against the raiders i mean that's going to be tough assuming the raiders are still going to be a fairly competitive team but with the season win total at nine i could see this team getting to ten i don't want to say fairly easily and again, I, I've preached about not making NFL bets this far out. It's not to say that I'm not going to do it eventually, but hey, if there's one that we've talked about at this point that I really like a lot, I think it's the Chargers over nine. And we'll see if this moves one way or the other, but if this Chargers team, again, can stay healthy, especially defensively, and I know that's the same thing for every team, but the Chargers have really suffered injuries with their defensive side of things. The offensive line improves with some of these draft picks. Herbert keeps on improving. This Chargers team is going to be lethal. So keep a lookout for Los Angeles. Again, the yes plus 149 to make the playoffs not too shabby, but certainly more interested interested in taking the over nine with their season win total. I think I could see them getting to 10. Not the worst schedule for the Chargers in a division that's a little bit more top-heavy than spread throughout. But again, all comes down to what the Broncos do with Aaron Rodgers as well. So that's why maybe a wait a little bit longer to delve into these sort of bets. But let's take a look at some more bets going back to the NBA with Prop Shelf. Going to be taking a look at it. Stick around here on Rush Show.
this Friday, VEASAN brings you the English Premier League BetCast for the match between Leicester and Newcastle at 3 p.m. Eastern, presented by Bet River Sportsbook. It's an EPL BetCast. The best way to keep up with the soccer betting action live during those matches. Join Nigel Seeley and Harry Samia as they talk betting during the biggest match of the day. And if you're new to in-play soccer betting, don't you worry because we'll show you the ropes and the smart plays of the day get you geared up for that match. Go ahead, visit vsa.com slash EPL. Tune in 3 p.m. Eastern Friday afternoon. Again, that's V-S-I-N slash E-P-L. It is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Joe's Rush Hour, and we're live out of the Bet River Sportsbook in Des Plaines, Illinois. Let's take it back to some basketball conversation. And I will say, personally, I'm a little salty because we did have a play with Rui Hachimara. But he is going to be absent from tonight's contest with the Wizards taking on the Bucks, So unfortunately, we don't get to go over our boys' prop tonight. Really like that one. But uh, let's get into a different game that we could seek out a prop with, and it's going to be this Atlanta Hawks and Phoenix Suns game. Now, we talked about this with Aaron Bruski to start the show, and look, he, t he said he would stay away from it with a 10-foot pole, and I'm inclined to think the same way. But what I was saying, I think this could be a prime in-game betting opportunity spot. Because Phoenix, yes, they're the better team, but they're coming off a game last night in overtime versus Cleveland. That was just absolutely absurd and quite the crazy beat. Uh, but look, the Suns, they opened it. It was a pick em with the spot. Now they're a one-point favorite. Minus 114 on the money line for Phoenix. Minus 106 for Atlanta. Still missing Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter. Total at 228.5. So, yeah, guys have had to step up for Atlanta on a night-to-night -night basis if Trey Young isn't going to be doing it. One of the guys that has done it occasionally is Bogdan Bogdanovich. And his points prop tonight is at 17 and a half, and it was shaded to the over decently heavily. Minus 134, the under, plus 105. Now, I'm inclined to look toward the under with Bogdanovich here at plus 105. He's averaging 15 and a half per game. He's been held under 17 and a half in 23 out of 39 games. Now, look, the first matchup against Phoenix, he actually did very well. Uh, this was March 30th with 8 of 18 from the floor, 4 of 8 from beyond the arc, 2 of 2 from the charity stripe, ended up with 22 points. He was the leading scorer in the entire game. So that's kind of an anomaly, especially against a team that features Chris Paul and Devin Booker. But look, on average during the season for Bogdanovich, he's really only going 5 of 12 from the floor, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc and doesn't really get to the charity stripe. And again, averaging 15 and a half points. So that game was kind of an outlier. And it's not a favorable matchup per se for Bogdanovich because when you look at his shot selection, 57% of his shots come from beyond the arc. He is making 42% of them, but that's where a majority of his action is coming from. And we know Phoenix defensively is a really strong team, but even more so from beyond the arc, defending the perimeter. Phoenix limits opponents to shooting just 34.5% from three. That's 10th best in the league. And they're only allowing their opponents to make 36% of them, which is seven. So I know 17.5 may seem a little low here, but you are getting some plus value at plus 105 with the under. If I was going to be betting it with Bogdanovich and you want a little bit of plus money with some of these props, I think going under 17.5 could be a good look. Now, if he's matched up against Booker, no, Devin Booker's not the best defender, but still. Under 17.5 is the way I would play Bogdanovich. Maybe a little bit too high. And I know it's shaded to the over, but I think he could have kind of a lesser game than where we've been accustomed to seeing from him a little bit as of late. I mean, consistently throughout the season hasn't been dominant, but tougher matchup, in my opinion, with him against the Suns. 
Now let's take a gander at another matchup that we discussed that Aaron Bruski earlier did have a top play on the New York Knicks on the road against the Denver Nuggets. He took the points with the Knicks. And again, like I was saying, I mean, if I was going to play anything on the slate, I think the Knicks taking the points would be the top one aside from the Wizards. But that game got away from us. Six and a half was the opener. I went down to three and a half. But regardless, in this matchup, the Knicks catching four, also plus 138 on the money line. Denver minus 165, laying that at home. Total at 215. Remember, no Dozier, no Morris in this game for Denver, a team that's still incredibly banged up all around. New York comes into this one on a three-game winning streak, and they've been covering like nobody's business. I mean, they've just been absolutely dominating against the spread. 11-1 ATS their last 12 road games and 7-0 ATS their last seven games as a road underdog. Nuggets, conversely, 2-6 ATS their last eight games as a favorite. And Will Barton's still out, by the way, too, for Denver. So, look, I would probably take the points with the Knicks here. Overall, I'm not going to be playing it, but that would be a strong lean. Another spot, though, that I'm taking a look at with a prop for this certain matchup, our guy Julius Randle, who he had a 20-1 to ticket to win most improved player. He is going to win that award. But will he go over his points prop tonight of 24.5? That is the big question. Now, Randle's averaging 24 per game this season. He's gone over 24.5. The last 10 out of 12 games, he's just been on an absolute tear. And look, the last matchup against Denver, January 10th, dropped 29 points, went 11 of 16 from the floor, 2 of 5 from beyond the arc, 5 of 6 from the charity stripe, ended up with 29 like we mentioned. Now with Randall, about half of his shots come from mid-range. He's making just 43% of them. Uh, the Nuggets, when you look at their squad, they're allowing opponents to shoot 42% from all mid-range, which isn't too bad. It's 11th best in the league, but where the Nuggets are just absolutely brutal, as we know, defending the rim. They rank 30th at defending the rim, allowing opponents to shoot 68%. So if Randall can find his way within four feet of the bucket, I think he could have a solid game. That's not where a lot of his shots are coming from, but he can certainly adjust and take advantage of this team that slacks when it comes to defending the rim. Now what's interesting is, yes, he hasn't gone up against Aaron Gordon on the Nuggets, so it's still a new look team, and they'll probably be matched up against each other, now, he faced Gordon twice when he was on the Magic, and he's actually been held under this mark in both of those contests, dropped 18 and 21 respectively. And the one time that he did play the Magic and Gordon wasn't playing, he got 25 points and went over it. But Aaron Gordon is allowing plus 7.8 points per 100 possessions defensively. So while maybe it's been a tougher matchup in the past for Randall against Aaron Gordon, since Aaron Gordon's been on the Nuggets, yes, you wanted another big body down low to help, that isn't necessarily what he's been doing. I mean, he just opens up and spreads the floor a little bit more so to help the offensive production. I mean, he hasn't been racking up the points, but it's still just opening everything up. And yes, he definitely aids defensively, but overall, he's not really a lockdown guy, especially against Randall. Maybe he'll take it more personally and really go out there and defend well, but hey, that wouldn't shy me away from looking over 24 and a half with Randall. That's a direction I would be leaning. Again, it's nothing I played officially. We were going to go with Hachimura over 13 and a half. However, he got scratched from the game tonight. But a couple leans, Bogdanovich under 17 and a half at plus 105. And Julius Randle over 24 and a half minus 113 is the price for that bet. Coming up next, let's talk some baseball. Jeff Erickson will be joining us, senior editor over at Rotowire. Some good selections on the later slate on the diamond. So stick around. We'll hit on that. Maybe we'll give his thoughts some of the futures markets this early on in the divisions we'll discuss as we wrap up another edition of Rush Hour.
Get the most out of all odds with Bet Rivers. Daily hometown discounts on boosts on all of your favorite teams only at your hometown sportsbook. And to make your experience even more rewarding, Bet Rivers offers the most live streams in major sports, instant payouts, and only one time playthrough. Offer valid in Illinois only, must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Not valid. For any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program, daily hometown discounts available at rivers.com. Wrapping up midweek edition of the show, that is Rush Hour right here on v Sports Betting Network. Danny Burke, your host, live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Plenty of baseball action already underway, but let's look forward to some of the later games on tonight's slate. For that, we bring in Jeff Erickson at Jeff underscore Erickson on the tweet, senior editor over at Rotowire. And Jeff, let's dive right into it with Kansas City taking on Cleveland. The Royals got off to quite the hot start, but as of late, they're on a three-game losing streak. They're plus 143 as a slight dog at home. Cleveland is the favorite on the road, minus 165. Short total here at seven. Do you see some value with Kansas City, or do you kind of fade the team that's been struggling as of late? Well, I backed the starting pitcher. That's Shane Bieber today, uh, so that's why I'm willing to kind of Go, uh, you know, pay pay the vig on uh, the, the Cleveland and go that route. And you know, it doesn't hurt that Kansas City's really struggling a little bit lately, kind of coming back to the level, if you will. They got off to such a great start, still 16 and 12 going into today. But Cleveland is starting to hit a little bit more. Fran Mill Reyes is obviously uh, locked in. Jose Ramirez, you got him locked in. Uh, still, there, there's still some weak spots in that lineup. Uh, you look at tr- how they try to build their roster, and you still get so disappointed when you see what they did or what they didn't do this offseason. Uh, but you don't, you know, you, you got to dis- disassociate yourself with that when you're looking at, you know, the the game for tonight in particular. Uh, but I just like the you know, fact that you got Bieber, and it's uh, Bieber when he's under 200. I think that's always pretty good value, and I like him DFS as well. Yeah, incredibly hard to fade Bieber in any kind of circumstance. But you look at the other pitcher, Brady Singer. I mean, look, Jeff, he's been off to a great start, too. It just seems like one of those spots where you catch kind of a bad matchup if you wanted to back him here. How do you think Brady Singer kind of progresses or maybe stays consistent throughout the season? What do you expect out of him? I think it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. I mean, I, I think he's got good stuff. I like what he what he brings to the table. I question how deep he can go in a game sometimes. He did have a good outing against Cleveland earlier this season. Uh, the, the Kansas City bullpen has been really taxed the last two games, too. So I kind of wonder if if he can't go deep, is he going to get much support? You know, I mean, you look at the Monday game where Daniel Lynch made his debut, went four and two thirds. Uh, last night was a bit of a high scoring affair again. You're kind of looking to see, like, can, you know, can he get some support? They got a couple key guys hurt right now in that bullpen. Uh, another and then another and uh, Greg Holland that's really struggling. So I kind of wonder what's going to happen there. If they, you know, even if it's a close game, it's say if it's three, three. Uh, late in this one, I think Cleveland's got the advantage late with their bullpen being stronger than uh, Kansas City's. Speaking of close games, what about the Padres and the Pirates, the last two matchups? I mean, last night the Pirates beat San Diego 2-1, to one, but the night prior, Padres got the dub 2-0, so some lower scoring affairs as well. We see a lower total here at 6.5, the Padres, minus 240 on the money line, 2-1 to one on the buyback for Pittsburgh. And look, you're getting Brubaker on the mound for Pittsburgh, who's been a really solid guy for me. Yeah. Pretty much their aces yeah. at this point. Darvish is still doing Darvish things. The .89 whip, 3.55 xFIP. Look, six and a half, this total, I mean, like we said, is so low, but it seems hard to not want to bet the under if that's the direction you're looking toward. Right, and uh, I, I, that's the direction I'm leaning, actually, even though, you know, Obviously, I think the value might be on the, the, you know, it seems like value should push it over, uh, push on the over, but 
I, I like Brubaker a lot. I, I think that uh, you, you saw that Tatis got a day off from the lineup yesterday. You saw that uh, Hosmer got a day off from the lineup previously. I'm looking at the lineup now. Uh, no Manny Machado today. They're giving him a day off in the lineup. He's been struggling. They're trying to kind of recharge the batteries in San Diego. They're far worse at home than they are on the road. Petco, remember, has always been this, like, pitcher's paradise. And last year was a little bit of the exception. The ball was livelier, uh, so I, they took a little bit of that out of the way. Uh, this year, it's kind of reverted back to being, you know, bad unders in, in San Diego. And I, I kind of feel the same way here. Uh, I use Brewbreaker in uh, DFS, too. He's only 6,900 on DraftKings. Uh, and it's nice when you kind of want to, you know, get, you go Bieber on one side, you have to use two starting pitchers. Bieber pairs really well with Brubaker, and then you still can afford some pretty good bats in your lineup. Absolutely. Can't knock that one bit. All right, Jeff, let's take a look at the second leg of a doubleheader between the Cardinals and the Mets. Cardinals earlier got the dub four to one. And in game two, they're a minus 118 favorite. The Mets plus 102 on the buyback. Again, shorter total with the seven innings. It's at six. You're getting Miguel Castro against Johan Oviedo. How do we feel about this one? Can the Cardinals get back to back against the Mets? Yeah, Mets just seem off right now. Uh, you know, you, you saw the the bad throwing error by Lindor. He, they fired their two hitting coaches, not just their hitting coach, but like the second hitting coach too. Uh, not just Chili Davis, but also his assistant. Lindor is in a massive slump right now. And, you know, he's the kind of the hot button guy because he's the big contract and the big offseason acquisition, but it's not just him. They're They're struggling all around with the bats. Uh, the pitching matchup might lend some hope. I mean, Oviedo can't go deep. Uh, I, I think you can kind of attack him, but at the same time, this is supposed to be DeGrom's start. He's not going to be able to go, uh, in part because of just that, that, or not in part, but because of that lat muscle issue there. So, you know, this is where, you know, the Cardinals are kind of the, the hotter team too right now, uh, which means that the Mets will win 10 to one, but, uh, you know, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know. Just like yesterday, like Clayton Kershaw gets goes one inning, gives up four runs, and Mitch Keller, who got bombed by the Padres earlier this year, pitches a gem. That's baseball for you in a nutshell, it seems like sometimes. Yeah, no kidding. You're absolutely right. And look, I, I think another kind of weird thing you're seeing with base, maybe not even weird, just like it's, it's just almost classic again. Look at this Angels team taking on the Rays. I mean, the Angels, once again, having high expectations coming into the season, and they've been just mm -hmm. such a headache to try to figure out Looks like Otani is going to be taking the bump tonight. Got scratched the other night. The Angels a minus 125 favorite. The Rays plus 108 on the buyback who have just beaten the Angels in consecutive games. Total at 8.5. We were talking about this with Jeff Parles, who's a fellow VEASAN host yesterday. Do you almost think that there's a little bit too much love for Otani? Not in the sense that of him being a great player, but in terms of the betting market, that it gets priced a little bit overpriced, rather, for Otani is where, instead of where the true price would be, just based on how the rest of the team's performing. For sure, as a pitcher, definitely. I mean, and it's the walks. That's that's the reason why I think that sometimes doesn't get priced in enough. He's amazing. He's fun to watch. The velocity is great. The strikeouts are fun to watch. Uh, but he does put a lot of guys on. He doesn't go deep into games. I think he's gone five, maybe one or two times so far. Uh, so even though they have the advantage in the pitching matchup, at least on paper, it doesn't always play out that way. Uh, some of that is also with the Angels. They're, they're, they're the classic, the whole is less than the sum of their parts sort of team. And it's because and it's they've got these elite players. They've got Trout. They've got Otani. They're, they're fun players. Rendon, I don't think he's going to play again tonight. They at Last I saw, they don't have a lineup up yet. But, uh, you know, that, that they, they have that great core. But then you look at the bullpen. You look at their fifth, fourth and fifth starters. And the lack of aces, you know, that they've had, you know, in, in previous years. In, in starting, you know, this year they have Otani. He's fun. 
But, you know, are those starters that great? You know, they're starting Jose Quintana every five days, and Quintana's getting rocked every time. You know, things like that. It's just it's why they seem to underachieve all the time. And when one guy goes down, they just the next man up isn't really that great. And so it seems to me like the Angels always have that little, like, oh, they should be really good. They should be a contender. And then they fall short. Yes, that's exactly how they are. Perfect way to describe them. And you're right, Jose Quintana, automatic fade is at this point. If you're doing that, it's been pretty profitable thus far. Yes. All right, Jeff, before we let yeah. you go, let's talk about Oakland and Toronto. The Blue Jays have been a dog in these past two matchups, but the A's are the favorite, have won the last two games. So they're the favorite again, minus 130 with Bassett on the bump. Robbie Ray's got the Blue Jays at plus 112, total at eight. Can the Blue Jays finally overcome the A's here? Do you keep rolling with Oakland? Yeah, this is a tight one here because Robbie Ray, the pitcher for the uh, Rays, is actually—I mean, for the Jays—is actually overachieved this year, or maybe not overachieved, but he's achieved, overachieved my expectations for him, my very low expectations for him. You know, two seventy-eight ERA, one nineteen WHIP. Uh, and you know, as you're, the the graphic shows, he's his expected runs is a lot higher. He's over four, and that's because he's always wild. Uh, and that's the one thing you worry about him. He, you know. Giving up walks and homers when you're not on are a bad combination. It's it's usually a way to ask for trouble. So even though you get those strikeouts all the time, it looks great in fantasy. You know, it comes at a usually a pretty hefty price. Uh, no George Springer again for the Jays. Uh, he had that setback with the quad. They still haven't committed to putting him on the IL, but it doesn't look good. Uh, it's it's got to be really frustrating for the Blue Jays dealing with that. And, you know, once you think you got your main guy, your main free agent acquisition uh, this offseason – you think you got him in there, and all of a sudden, oh, he had a setback. It's it's really tough. Kind of like the Brewers with Christian Yelich going back in the AIL. You almost think that there's like almost an emotional cost to the team as well. Definitely. So that'll be a fun one to watch unfold. The A's minus 130, Blue Jays plus 112. Remember, no George Springer in that matchup. Can't wait for that one to get underway later tonight. Jeff, hey, as always, we appreciate it. Good luck with all of your fantasy plays. We'll look forward to catching up again soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Danny. At Jeff underscore Erickson is where you can follow him on Twitter over at Rotowire. Serves as a senior editor, so catches great content over there. Kind of going back to this, we're not even back, but just continuing on with the Blue Jays and A's. Uh, like Jeff was saying, look, Springer, he's going to be out in this matchup. This is one that I probably came closest to playing in terms of Oakland. Now, look, in a spot like this, you t uh, you probably typically look to bet Toronto, not only because they're a dog, but because you got to think they're due here in this series like this. But look, the A's are on a roll here, and against lefties, they have a 766 OPS, which is 10th best in the big leagues. They hit a lot better against lefties than they do actually against righties. And speaking about hitting against righties, Toronto versus right-handed pitching, 692 OPS, which puts them at about 16th in the big leagues. So I'd be looking Oakland here. The number's gotten a little bit away from you. Open minus 121, now it's at minus 130. Wouldn't shine me away too much from still betting it. But I think Oakland probably gets the job done once again. And here I am saying that. Now we'll see Toronto get the dub because I've said the opposite the past two days is leans. But, hey, that's baseball. We're just sweating out this Cubs and Dodgers game for the remainder of the night. If you're back in the Dodgers along with me, best of luck per usual. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. Tomorrow we'll continue some good topics with the NFL because it was fascinating to look at the Chargers win total. We'll see if we could seek out another team that could present some value early on. We'll hit NBA per usual. Hopefully our player doesn't get scratched for our prop bets. Maybe we'll get an NHL. Still got a good streak going with some winners. So look forward to that tomorrow. Until then, take care.